friends, Romans, countrymen, <laughs> lend me your ears. My name is Davidus Decimus Meridius, commander of the armies of the north, general of the Felix legions and loyal servant to the true emperor, podcast Aurelius, father to an imaginary <laughs> son, husband to an imaginary wife, and I will have my listeners in this life or the next. <laughs> I thought, well, I thought the imaginary wife would get you. <laughs> it all got me. It was built it built up lovely. It was a lovely sumptuous meal. I feel fully satisfied after that. It's a good thing two of us didn't do the speech thing though, isn't it, eh, Dave? I, I did think I was like, well, if Ross had been on this pod on this episode, like Ross, we would have had an oh, argument over. hundred percent he would have he would have accused you of stealing it, yeah. Uh yes, my name's Sam. And are you in danger of becoming a good man, Dave? No, no, you're not. It's fine. <laughs> Absolutely fucking not. <laughs> Yes, welcome to this podcast where we watch a movie and talk about it. Today we are watching, or today we are talking, in fact, about Gladiator. This is like... See, this is what happens when some dickhead comes in and tries to do the intro and he's just not got the chops for it. I don't have the chops indeed, but I I do have the chops to talk about this movie. This is like a proper, this is a proper indulgent film, isn't it, Dave? This is us just kicking back. Romans, action movies... You know, it's all there. Everything, everything that we could want in a movie. This and movie and and just ever, is... just ever too much for about half an hour, probably. Absolutely, but this movie is kind of like it's a sixties sword and sandals picture. Uh, <laughs> it's a Shakespeare play. Um, it's a Muscleman like action schlocky movie. Um, all in a big overcoat with Ridley Scott's face <laughs> that came out in 2000 and kind of, I think, like, reignited this kind of, like, um, you know, movies like 300 and Troy and, you know, all of, bas- basically all of these, like, ancient world muscle men movies draw their lineage to this film, mm-hmm. um, which I think draws its lineage directly from, like I said, from Shakespeare and from like Spartacus in the sixties, and these big, big Hollywood like um, studio pictures that we got then, and so it's kind of like a it's a real cultural touchstone of Russell Crowe, this New Zealand, <laughs> New Zealand born actor, like you know, perfect casting for a Roman. Yeah, well, well, perfect casting for a Spaniard, which is something else we can we can talk about. Yeah, like this is one of those films. I, it, you know, it really shouldn't work. It really shouldn't work because you've you've got a you've got number one the technical production side, which is just enormous. I mean, I mean, the opening of this film is just crazy. The amount of extras, the amount of stunts, you know, the whole thing is is pretty mad. We've also got in two thousand, and we're talking in the late nineties when this is being made. The CGI in this is holds up remarkably well um you know 20 what cgi are you referring to i'm referring to fucking all of rome being constructed oh that yeah sorry yeah, yeah. you know like, like there, there's an awful lot in this which i think is 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 really really holds up and it's also it's also incredibly sentimental and as you say almost like shakespearean in its in its um delivery and it and well, the com- and, the commodus character in particular like the Roman Emperor stuff, you know, Marcus Aurelius and Commodus and the daughter whose name, honestly, I can't remember off the top of my head. Lucilla. Um, sorry? Lucilla. Lucilla. Uh, like, all of that is very, like, literally Shakespearean. Like, And, and um, Phoenix's performance as well is kind of like, 
a stage performance in the best possible way. Yeah. Um, and you've got at odds with that. You've kind of I say at odds, complimenting that. You've kind of got Russell Crowe doing his Russell Crowe thing, and I think Russell Crowe, and we should get us out of the way off the top, is a fine actor, like who is capable of quite a lot of things. But maybe after this, and kind of fell into that like. I'm going to be in a movie where I beat a load of people up <laughs> kind of role. Yeah. yeah. Um, the Jared Butler curse is probably. The Jared Butler curse. <laughs> uh, so, but, so again, it shouldn't work, but by God does it. And this is, and this was, you know, Oscar. Uh, uh, um, Oscar winning. Oscar, well, Oscar craziness i mean the amount of the amount of wins it's got and nominations as well it was quite extraordinary it's so. a very it's a very against type oscar movie because like it's a it's a big production it's not an artsy movie um and it's and it's like nowadays it would be way too mainstream it'd be like a marvel movie winning the best picture you know uh in terms of like it's ridley scott making in this enormous like roman epic movie yeah you know We've we've talked about this before. When you go back and look at the, the like where um, where Oscar wins come from in the early two thousands, and then you know now, and we but most recently we've had um, the uh, Nomadland. Home, Nomadland, thank you. One last year, and then Parasite the year before. Like, I think. We, and we've watched Nomadland the previous episode. You know, like a quirky film about. Uh, <laughs> Or or there and now, you know, uh, about the 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 the, uh, the difficult a life today, low budget artsy movie. Yes, about, that's like, what I'm trying to say. And it's like about it, the fall of corporate America. It's like this is know. this is a very different type of film than Russell Crowe, you know, going around killing tigers. So, <laughs> which 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 is not necessarily a bad thing. I think we should maybe Russell try Crow, and, the biopic. Yeah. <laughs> 98 percent true so there's all these there's, there's all these things that that come to mind when you talk about this movie but let's get let's get a plot summary and let's and I, this is a film we are going to dive deep into the plot um and just kind of like i think there's there's a lot of strong storytelling and a lot of a lot of strong kind of technical storytelling as well which i think we can enjoy um, but in case you haven't seen Gladiator, a former Roman general sets out to exact vengeance against the corrupt emperor who murdered his family and sent him into slavery. Um, and I think the... Should we talk about a little bit about the real history of this? Because there, there is... You know, it's about as... I think it's about as loose as you could possibly base a story on. There was a character... There was a person called Marcus Aurelius. There was an emperor... Who did um, uh, have a son called Commodus? But actually, he they ruled together for 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 several years until Marcus Rulus died. Commodus was uh, you know it was very theatrical and loved getting into the the arena. I think at one point he had a battle where like he had he in the morning he would go and shoot hundreds of of animals and with with a bow and arrow. In the afternoon he would. He would battle in the in the Colosseum and win every every single bout. Um, he was assassinated, not in the arena, not by uh, someone called Marcus um, uh, Maximus, who never existed, but uh, by Narcissus, I think his like wrestling yeah. partner or something. <laughs> so it's kind of funny that it's it all, didn't go down. It's all that pretty route. Roman, to be fair. It's all pretty standard. It's Roman not the craziest like... thing that's happened in in the history of Roman emperors because Nero is where that 
is who takes the yeah. crown on that one. But I think the biggest thing, though, Sam, the biggest liberty this movie takes, and I, I've been busting to talk about this. Go. I know um, what it is. All Go. of that's fine. All of that's fine. Like, no, it's not the stirrups. No, <laughs> all it's the not stirrups. the fucking... It's not the Romans caveman coming stirrups. out of the trees in Germany to fight the Romans a thousand, several thousand years after they should have been there. Um, it's not any of that. It is the fact that Marcus Aurelius Republic. wants to bring the fucking Republic back. I know. It's just mental. It's fucking mental. And, and so we, for a little bit of context to the, the listener, we're history uh, graduates. <laughs> Aren't we cool? But, so, but we do have a little bit more maybe, you know, we, we've all gone into Roman history and all that stuff. The fact that an, a sitting Roman emperor would try and revert back to the Republic is fucking crazy. Totally crazy. It's it, And it's kind of like... I, I guess it makes, makes sense from a theatrical point of view. It's like a really nice button to put on this movie right at the end. And like, we'll talk about the very end scene when we get there. But like, it's a nice button to put on the movie. It's like a beginning to end and like a really hopeful message for the future however it's like so ahistorical of like and not only was the roman emperor not like no roman emperor ever considered going back to the republic no roman ever really thought it was a good idea Even the, the republican were... era the republican yeah. era of rome is an era absolutely absolutely disgustingly smeared in rebellions revolts starvation like <laughs> privatizations of, of every kind like the war with carthage nobody was looking back at the republic of this like until the enlightenment in the in, you know the 19th century in europe until then nobody was looking back at the roman republic it's... as this thing to aspire to and this thing that was great the roman republic like absolutely pales in comparison to the roman empire you know it's it's almost as if as uh, as if in the modern world um, a country which has a hegemony of uh, media uh, control is is itself a republic, and I can't think of which country we might be talking about. America, and it and it is like it very much is, isn't it? That this is this is a big oh, let's have a republic because that's what we've got in America, and we're, we're doing pretty good. Because that's the only possible form of government that could work, and, and which we should say <laughs> we're not totally like coming out in favour of Roman emperors. <laughs> Or like an imperial system being in any way superior. Glorious, but yeah. this absolutely—you are right, Sam. This is absolutely like flag wavy, like America. you know, country music playing, like America, America, yeah. like democracy and freedom and giving Rome back to the people. Yeah, you know, and it's but it's, it, but you're right though, and uh, but. Uh, Let's now let's now put all of this history nerdery uh, pedantry in a box and say, you know what? It kind of works for the story, and I think you could you could get rid of it. It works, Sam, because it's not a major part of the story. Like exactly. until the end, you, you you could you could get rid of it from the film, but really, you it, it doesn't really have that much of an impact. It kind of it kind of gives us enough of a drive for for um maximus together but the uh, uh, but again and we've talked about other historical films or you know things with, with, with that have reference to history i kind of really don't mind i really love films taking liberties with this i'm not one of those ones who's dead into the pedantry because actually it's really entertaining it's more entertaining like this and we get to see yeah. a lot more because of because and of that. like 
before we put our historical pedantry in a box as such, uh, no, no, I'm going to say that actually... The stirrups. Like, no, no, that none of that bothers me. Like, because actually it's really unsafe for stunt, <laughs> stunt. stunt riders to not have stirrups. Like, Absolutely. so many people would have been hurt. And horses as well, because like, you know, it's... It's a vastly inferior system. Like, there's yeah. a reason we invented stirrups. There's a stirrups. reason we invented stirrups, and we're not. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a reason that Roman cavalry was never particularly, like, a big <laughs> part of their forces, is because, like, it's dangerous as fuck. Um, so, like, I don't mind that. I don't mind that at all. I didn't, honestly, until reading about it, it didn't bother me that the Germanic tribes, like, are dressed like cavemen. Um <laughs> In furs and things, like no clothing whatsoever, like none of the production stuff, which obviously draws a lot of fire from various people about being like not right. None of that bothered me because guess what? The film looks really good. The cinematography is really crisp, uh, and and the production design is like good enough that everyone looks like they're wearing clothes and not costumes. Again, like we mentioned this again recently, but like mostly, apart from maybe um, Russell Crowe's armor that he wears, like most of the clothes people are wearing look like you know sewn items of clothing rather than polystyrene mm-hmm. yeah yeah there's lots of uh, and that, yeah and that's the thing isn't it is if does it serve the purpose of the movie and and most of the time most of the time it does and that's what's really about isn't it that's what it's really about and you have to kind of invest in in the idea in in in, in the story that they're creating which is very different from um the reality and that's it's kind of yeah. why we go to why we go to cinema. Why we, why we, why yeah. we want to see stuff like this. If anything, if anything, I'm more bothered by the fact that nobody's helmets appear to have any kind of strap to hold them on. Um, <laughs> like when all these when all these gladiators are putting on these helmets and stuff, I'm like Russell Crowe's putting on this helmet. Obviously, strap would look daft, and he'd look you know clumsy putting it on. So there's no strap. Like you're kind of negating any point in having a helmet if it's not actually attached to your head. So mm. that bothered me more than anything else, I think. But that's just mm. from a Again, Ross isn't here, so we kind of do have to hit the pedantry here. Um, yeah, just for just for his sake. So let's... let's talk about the plot beats in this first segment, the segment that takes place in Germany. I would mm-hmm. say because mm-hmm. uh, this movie, actually, for all that when we'll talk about why it's a little bit longer than it needs to be, perhaps because this is like I want to get mentioned off the top, like. And it's pretty inexcusable. This movie is two hours and thirty-five minutes long, um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but we are ha- we are having a battle four minutes into this movie. Like, there's no fucking around. I think this is one of the strongest openings to a movie that 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 we've that we've watched. There is a lot. There is a lot of flab in this film, and there's a lot to be said about. Boy, oh boy, do we need another fucking cell scene prop? No, we don't. Get rid of it. <laughs> But this opening to this film, because it is actually quite slow, isn't it? You know, it, it, we're not. It isn't just fade into a battle. It's the preparation. It's watching Maximus walking around with the troops. It's like it's good storytelling because we understand who this character is st- almost straight away. Like literally, you see him walking, and it's like here. But you know, Russell Crowe can. And is doing a lot of work to deliver that. And as well. Russell Crowe in the year two thousand. What a beefcake! Woo! Jeez, oh, ladies, oh, under watch the out. collar, and men. Let's <laughs> not, not discriminate. So there's lots. There's just lots of um, there's lots of really subtle storytelling going on here, and 
as it all builds up, you know, you, you can feel the tension, you can feel the nervousness of the troops, all of these things, which, I mean, it always takes me back. Um, it takes me back to when I was, <laughs> I was a Roman soldier. It always takes me back to this. I, as a kid, I went to see... But Sam remembers, much like Phoebe from Friends, all of his past lives. <laughs> yeah, especially that bit during the war. Uh, I, I went to see a reenactment and... And I just had it, and it was like it was quite cold. It was quite a cold morning, and you were quite, you know, and just I just had that real like visceral thought of how goddamn terrifying must it have been? Because there isn't like you're sitting there with your rifle, you know, you are getting in people's faces, you are stabbing your guts everywhere. Like it is so, it's so, um, it's such a horrifying thing to think about being in a battle like this. And I think this scene nails that it nails the terror that people must have felt and like you know there's just the just the just how brutal that it must have been in 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 reality it's cool and it's it's competent filmmaking as well and we'll talk about Ridley scott more as we go through and kind of the competency of the screenplay um in that we don't get a title card, really, as I recall, saying, you know, oh, Northern Germany, somewhere in Germany, AD, blah, blah, blah. We don't get a voiceover from Russell Crowe telling you about a campaign and why they're there. We just, we're watch, <laughs> And again, it sounds really basic, and I say this all the time on the podcast. We're watching people do things, and I realise that that's what a movie is, and, you know, like, <laughs> at its no. very basic level. But, like, saying, we aren't watching characters tell us things, or listening to characters tell us things. We are watching a scene unfold and we are learning things about the scene by watching them. You know, like, it, we don't get told who Maximus is. We we kind of get it from context or something someone might say general, but, like, he's a man in charge of troops and troops are doing things and, like, that's when we come in and, oh, the troops, there's obviously a battle coming because they're all getting ready and, like, it's that trust in your audience to understand that they will know what's going on without us saying, the Roman Empire in AD 147. I was convinced that this started, because I haven't seen this film in a heck of a long time, but I was convinced that this started with a fade, uh, some text on the screen, you know, like the year is AD. And it's like, it doesn't, it just goes into it. It, it, it gets right into the, um, the, the, the film. And so you kind of, like, you kind of got to respect that. You got to respect... It's competency, Sam. Like we said, like, yeah, and I think that's because of the direction of like edit, edit point. Does it start? It does start with text, doesn't it? Does it start with text at screen? I can't remember, Sam. We've committed to it, so maybe we just have to. I'll just cut that bit. I just don't want to actually say something that's completely wrong. So, so yeah, like, there's just (laughs) all right. There's there's just loads. There's just loads of good decision making at the start of this movie and i think like they obviously had a scene in mind they obviously had the the money to shoot this and like when you look at when you look at a film a scene you think wow that cost a lot of money and it did it's a hundred million dollar movie in 2000 which is which is a fair chunk of change so you kind of have to really uh i think you have to really uh, doff your hat to this as a first 10 15 minutes of a movie like to go in that hard all of the violence all of the all it's of the potentially got the most extras in this scene uh, i think it's like the most bodies in a scene in the movie and to kind of like uh not to be crass but to kind of spunk your load that early in the movie in terms <laughs> of like this is the big bombastic battle scene 
like and we get some cgi crowds and obviously it's, there are real crowds but like i think this is the scene in the movie where you see the most people on screen at one time and i think a lesser movie and again props to ridley scott a lesser movie would have saved that for the end and it would kind of rob the movie of this like really bombastic and fun and you're kind of along for the ride straight away because like fucking hell we're having a battle people are getting stabbed in the throat my god like this is really cool like mm. straight off the bat and it's the but it's the only battle battle scene the rest of it's all gladiatorial combat so it, it allows it to be a bit smaller but it kind of is wonderful and like again surprisingly in the first act one thing i didn't like and this is very 2000s there's there's this kind of like stop motiony blurry effect that we get to see in a lot of a lot of the um a lot of the battle i think i think it's uh i think it like uses a a, a, something to do with the shutter speed or something i don't you know i don't know but you it, it, i find it so annoying <laughs> it's so annoying and it's so early 2000s the other one that does it excessively is saving private ryan um and you remember that i think to maybe try and like show you how frantic a battle is like yeah it's kind of it like makes it really hard to watch it's slow it's slowing down it's making things blue it's it's trying to add a sense of um, kind of discombobulation for the viewer to you know this is what the characters are experiencing as well as and I just oh god I mean we see it all through the film and it's like I really wish that we just had and it, it, it's maybe a change in style and taste but I really wish we had just those nice clean shots where you could see the obvious impressive stunt work that's going on the obvious impre- impressive um, choreography that's happening and yet we get to see like Oh, I think that blur there was was Maximus, but I'm not really sure because it's all just a little bit like drunk cam, you know what I mean? Which is just, but it's a small thing. I think there's but a it, practical there's a practical reason for it as well of like it allows them to like have really bloody visceral kills um, without you really seeing the strings because of the way that they're chopping between shots. Yeah, kind of like and obviously, like you said, because of the way the shutter speed's doing. Are doing its thing like and they do this later on as well in some of the gladiatorial fights like it cuts away so that you don't see like all of it but you see enough to kind of like you see the beginning and end the end of like a you know a, a cool like kill or whatever and it does this in this first scene too um so i think maybe it's kind of like a bit of both where you know with the best one in the world like you're you can't have russell crowe performing like a really complex stunt scene and also have russell crowe's face in it because like He's an actor, not a stuntman, and he has a, a ceiling in terms of like, this is the this is what he can pull off, and that's not to talk down about Russell Crowe at all. It's just the difference no, between no. being an actor and being a stunt person. And yeah. like, I think this movie actually does a good job of having it like, you know, you don't see, I don't, you don't notice a lot of stunt doubling for. It's not for fatal, is it? It's not fatal to it, but I think it no. definitely. Um, let's let's we can we can kind of skip ahead a little bit, but you know the 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 real the real core of this story. Is a father and son thing, isn't it, between Marcus Aurelius? Fucking um, fathers and sons. God, Spielberg! And <laughs> Spielberg! <laughs> I just I blame Spielberg every time. Um, we get uh, Richard Harris doing some fucking acting in in this, uh, totally as, as Marcus Aurelius. And then, uh, you know, Joaquin Phoenix, who's. <sighs> Like this is the A star performance for me. Like I don't think there is a better performance in this movie. And 
and and you kind of say, I, it's a good point that you said he, he's playing you know he's almost very theatrical in his in his it's shakespearean like his performance is shakespearean and not that crows is and that's what's the interesting thing is that joaquin phoenix is kind of like he is the star of this stage play and everyone else is in a hollywood movie and it shouldn't work it absolutely should not work um but it kind of does because basically it's commodus being a really dramatic theatrical individual as the sources tell us he was rather than Joaquin Phoenix being like, do you know what I mean? It's It comes off as less of a performance and more of like a, this is how this character is, as well as the performance. Mm, yeah. And, 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 and when you see, when you see like, when you see a performance like this, it's actually, it, it sometimes, sometimes it's, it's kind of hard to see where this, where the, the, the lines are or where the strings are, you know, we, you, you kind of have to just, you just kind of have to accept whatever he's doing because it's so over the top in a lot of ways. He's at, he's so childlike. He's acting like a child throughout the entire movie, which really works in terms of thematic stuff because he's, you know, he's basically treated like a child by his dad, uh, by Marcus Aurelius. So thematically it fits. And also he's, fucking so terrifying he's so menacing especially later on with with the threats um against his he's his... psychotic but like in a very in a very scared in a very uh not scared but like um what's the word like he knows he's incompetent he's uh he's insecure it's in a very insecure way and it comes across like that that he is like being a maniac and like terrifying because he's insecure, because, like, Marcus Aurelius knew he wasn't up to being the emperor, and, like, he must know he's not really up to being the emperor. So, like, every action is informed by that, and we kind of get that from Marcus Aurelius at the beginning, and then, so you kind of know where this character's coming from throughout. And then the fact that he's acting like this tragic Shakespearean figure kind of just lends itself to this character being really bombastic. Did I miss the battle? (laughs) You know, like with with this with exactly. this with with the, the kind of exaggerated list thing that is going on, it's like, oh, this is excellent. And Aurelius says, "You are on. You missed the war." You know, like it's just all of these little digs and knocks, and you kind of you kind of can understand where he's coming from in terms of that character because he he, does, he is shat on <laughs> by everyone the entire film. Everyone treats him like he is he is a. People and, and 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 largely because he is, and you but you can kind of see where his progression. It's a great arc that he has. Um, he so he was nominated for for um, Phoenix was nominated for best supporting actor. Russell Crowe won best actor. Oof. Again, not really sure about that because I'm like it's a good performance from Russell Crowe. It's it's a bit functional. I think I think it's a bit functional. I don't necessarily think it's like elevating that much or or, or the insight that we gain the first person to really question because you can question whether this deserved to be best picture and i think that like that's that could go either way like best picture is a funny sort of award but like best actor is usually like for the best actor and i think (laughs) russell crowe like i said i think russell crowe's a good a really good actor and obviously best actor usually goes to a leading man and Russell, and so you were automatically like more likely to get best actor if your film, the film in which you are the leading man, wins best picture. Like, well, if that's the best movie, am I then the best actor? And it's hard to look looking at the nominations. Like, 
I don't know the other movies like super well, so it's hard to really choose that. And maybe it's just like a, a weak year for best actor. But Russell Crowe, I think, carries off the action in this movie really well. I think he's a very physical guy. And I think he does a very good job of that generally because it's kind of like his forte. Yeah. Um, I think he delivers a he delivers a rousing speech like nobody's business, um, which is always fun. But most of this movie, the quote unquote acting he's doing is looking really sad in the camera. Mm. Um, so maybe not what I would consider like an Academy Award winning performance. No, most of had, it. We had Jeffrey Rush, Ed Harris, Tom Hanks, and Castaway. And Javier Bardem in, uh, before Nightfall. So, like, the, I mean, maybe Tom Hanks would pip that slightly for me. Just, but again, it's, it's kind of small. So maybe it's a bit of a best. Yeah, it is yeah, a bit maybe. of a week. Is a bit of a week uh, uh, year, perhaps. But so, but anyway, the point is, is that we've got all we've got these performances that run through. Um, I think as well, uh, Connie Nielsen as as Lucilla does a, a really good job. She's she's got to anchor it in a lot of ways i mean a lot you know she is like left to basically cry lots and look a little bit because it's the year 2000 and women don't exist yeah and i mean to be fair it's also ancient rome and women literally don't exist in a lot of ways <laughs> ancient rome you know they, they, they it really was very restrictive so you've kind of, you but i think she's got an important role because you 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 need her you need that character and you need that performance to be strong because it's it's got to be the thing that's both restraining and also um, aggravating co- uh, Commodus. Like he, you know, he's yeah. all the sexual stuff later on, all the stuff with the son. So incesty. Like. Oh, just like the Romans liked it, you know. So it's 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 kind of it's kind of good fun, isn't it? And I think she she's doing an important role in terms of keeping that yeah, up, a little um, bit more grounded. I think, I think the rest of the cast is pretty good as well. Um, Shimon Hanzu is kind of like um, Russell Crowe's like right hand man sort of. Um, I think he's doing a decent job again. Cicero. Like, uh-huh. He really excels at the action and kind of like when they're in the, when they're in a gladiatorial fight with the two of them, it's kind of like they they can act. They both can both act well enough to like add an extra dimension to the fights. Um, you know where like it's just fun to watch. Even though as a character, I think it's fairly like one note. Like, oh, he's this guy who fights with you, but he has literally no other character traits. Yeah, well, the, but they all get their payoff, don't they? You know, the big German guy, he gets a he gets a good Klingon death <laughs> when he when he his, his arrows. Um, you know, the... fourteen arrows through his chest. Yeah. Ah, and it... Uh, Juba gets he he gets the last line of the movie, you know, like all all the way through. We get these um, we get these characters who, who who have a role and then have an arc, which I think is 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 good film right a uh, good uh, screenwriting. Um, we should we should progress forward on the plot a bit because it's it, it's it is that point in the film, isn't it, when everything kind of turns and yeah, so Commodus kills. Marcus yeah. Aurelius. Yeah. After yeah. Marcus Aurelius, like, and we've discussed this, announces that he's gonna bring back the Republic again. That's on a box on a shelf. Let's not talk about <laughs> that again. Uh, Commodus then has the Praetorian Guard, and I love how we keep talking about Praetorians, like the Emperor's personal guard. He has them arrest Russell Crowe, and then in one of the more confusing turns of the movie, orders them to ride for two hours and then kill him. And I was I like, I know it's a classic Bond I'm, villain I'm really mistake, isn't it? I'm really confused by this. Just 
basically the, it, no speeches it seems, just shoot him in the head it seems like a plot thing to be like oh well, there's we a have point, to though. make it reasonable for him to escape yeah there's a point before this though that I, and this i think really you know all the way through the movie what do we what do we learn about russell crowe he's a cool badass fighter who's a badass who's good at fighting. He and loves his family. He, he loves it. Wants to go home. My wife and my son. He wants to go home to his wife. All the way. And so he talks about that. I mean, yeah, all right, fucking all right, mate. I'm just have a fucking drink. Stop talking about your wife. So he's doing all this, and there's a point where he could go in and say, "Hail Caesar," to to, to Commodus, and not give a shit about Rome becoming a republic, and just say, "Well." Marcus Aurelius is dead. No one else knows about this conversation. Meh. I'm fine. I don't need to carry this torch. He could do that, and then he could, and then he could say, I, "Commodus, I'm definitely here for you. I will, I will help you out in whatever way you need. I'm gonna have to go home and see my wife though, because it's been two years, two hundred and sixty-four days, and this morning. Uh, so I'll see you later, mate. And then disappear and never, you know, turn up again, because it's." Ancient Rome, you know, just what go. can you do? Find you? Yeah, yeah exactly. there's no, there's no Google. Um, so, like, so I, I, I do think, I do think that they don't quite sell, um, Russell Crowe's characters. I motivation decision at this point. But I do think, I do think they sell the fact that, like, we know as an audience because Marcus Aurelius has said that, has said to Commodus that he's going to have um, Russell Crowe be the kind of like, you know, the protector, you know, the, the kind of like, uh, you know, the guy in charge. So we know that Commodus is probably going to have him killed regardless. Mm. Like, mm-hmm. but Russell Crowe doesn't know that. And we maybe need like, and we kind of get already Marcus Aurelius saying that, but you kind of need to have that scene with Marcus Aurelius saying that to Russell Crowe. So Russell Crowe knows that whatever he does, I've told Commodus he's not happy, but he will accept it. Yeah, something exactly. Like yeah, yeah. So he takes him away to murder him, and obviously that goes awry because Russell Crowe's the biggest badass. He's this the side biggest of the Alps. badass, yeah. or that side of the Alps, any side of the Alps, really. Um, and then <laughs> I think we're north of the him. Alps at this point, but yeah, it's okay. <laughs> well, at this point, he's the biggest badass north of the Alps, and later <laughs> on, he's the biggest badass south of the Alps. Fair enough. Um, so. Uh, like he goes, the base of this movie then made, takes an enormous detour to kill this guy's family. In like, and this I was reading. This was a studio note, basically, like um, in some a studio sort of like you know director note where they didn't think that uh, Maximus is the character's name. Uh, they didn't think Maximus had enough motivation to like want revenge on Commodus. Um, not that I think that informs almost any of his actions until the very end of the movie. <laughs> Um, because he's a slave. Um, <laughs> like, literally, like, he literally can't make any of his own decisions because he's a slave. <laughs> um, but, like, they felt he didn't have enough motivation, so they go, they they have him ride two, like, several thousand miles, like, to murder this guy's family, to, like, crucify and burn this guy's family, and it's a bit like, I get why he needed it, but maybe we could cut eight minutes of this movie out and like you know we wouldn't be missing anything i don't think it adds that much i think we could have the scene where they ride in you know the the troops ride in and and trample the boy which is very horrible and then we get to see them burning and 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 maybe maybe you you have something but doug you're right 100 percent. let's just let's just reduce the level of uh russell crowe looking tired on the back of a horse to zero or or maybe just 
two or three percent. Someone finds someone finds him, a loyal soldier finds him and says, like, oh, I'm really sorry, mate, they've killed your family. And he's like, No Do- <laughs> you know, like he gets the information second. The other hand. guy, the other Cicero, who I, I I called him the wrong character before, but Cicero, who is his mate, who we see later on, he's he's kind of like squire or whatever. Like him, him, he's a great. There's a great role for him. I think you know the other thing I think as well is that the movie does a pretty bad job of of the geography. We're in Germany for the start of the movie. This guy is from Spain, which we don't really talk about until he's a slave. So you're like. I think I, you know, you would assume that he's a Roman, that he's from Italy. Or no, whatever. no, they very clearly state he has never been to Rome. Yeah, they um, they say that, is but it's kind of at odds with my knowledge of Roman, like because this guy is the general in charge of all of the armies in Germany. Like in Roman history, this guy's a senator. Like this guy's a Roman. You know. Yeah. I suppose I suppose they want him to be the outsider. There's some more stuff we can talk yeah. about in terms of like small town middle America hero. They want him to be like <laughs> oh, he doesn't want the power, but he'll and take that's it. That's why the geography is so it. loose in this Sam is yeah. because it's an American film and yeah. like yeah, we're British, so we know that Europe's fucking massive and like he but Americans. It's from just... Germany. He rode from Germany <laughs> to Spain. Even northern Spain. He does say where he's from, doesn't he? You can't fucking drive from Germany to Spain without get hitting toll roads and bridges. With with two horses. He's got two horses, though, so that makes it all... Even though he's he's galloping along at an enormous rate with one horse, the other horse is going to be as tired as the first horse. So it doesn't really make any sense. So he rides from Germany to know, Spain. Sam, my, my equine knowledge isn't great, but I do think maybe the second horse would be slightly less knackered than the first horse. All right, all right 30% less knackered. Let's call it 30% less knackered there. But e- <laughs> 30% e- less knackered. I've got to be quantified that. Either way, thank you. If you're horse facts, welcome. Um... So all of this, all of this is like, it's really padded and it's where I think this movie struggles, doesn't it? Is that I think you could honestly recut this and we talk about all this all the time and we should so do it one day. We could recut this and probably save, you know, 20 minutes, maybe even half an hour if you if you just get rid of a few of the scenes, just cut things down. And, and this sequence is a long time for a two and a half hour movie it's incredibly indulgent and it really doesn't need to be there in the same way because you can get there and have the same story beats without him having to literally travel. You could literally, Sam, cut with him stealing the horses and riding off, have a scene where he falls off a horse and then cut straight from there to him being under the cart in Morocco. Like, fine. I might have some questions about how he got there, but that's fine. And you've automatically saved about 12 minutes of screen time. Yeah. Or just make him not from Spain. <laughs> make him have the battle in northern, uh, in Austria or, or, or whatever, you know, in, or in northern Italy and say, now we have, we have secured the borders of Rome, blah, blah, blah. And then have him, have him, uh, his wife be 10 minutes down the road. And then it all happens, you know, anyway. <laughs> 10 minutes down the road. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it yes. does quest- beg the question of like, how, like, how do the people murdering his wife and son how do they get there before him when he set off before them one man running with two horses to death presumably (laughs) and he gets there significantly and he doesn't stop to eat or drink they get there significantly before him in enough time to like you know murder his family it does feel like it's like a matter of hours doesn't it you know maybe a day and a half like anyway this this is kind of a weird thing to get bogged down well but what it does but like 
what it what it does represent though is that if you look at some of the trivia behind this it looks like basically even when they were in the process of shooting they didn't really have a good idea about where they were going and so there were scenes i think russell crowe was quite alarmed by this and quite pissed off there were scenes where it was kind of they didn't know what they were doing that day there was a didn't real a sense script, did they didn't have a like, script they didn't have they didn't have a lot of the of the main kind of the motivations for the characters you said the one about the family dying i can't imagine this i literally can't imagine this movie without the death of the family like as much as the process of getting there I is can. too long no i, I think it's essential i think it's essential to this film and if they took it away then what are you left with Literally, what what are you left with is like the motivate mo- motivating core of this character. His his um, he loves. He's a slave, so he ends up in Rome, and the emperor wants to kill him. He doesn't want to be killed. Uh, yeah, but how do you get anyway? Look, we can we can get we can get in we can get into the, the the mechanics. But in terms of his drive, his drive is to seek revenge, uh, seek vengeance. All of his speeches are about in this life or the next, I will get my vengeance and all this stuff. Like that is core to the movie, isn't it? So it, well, it's you kind just of, kind of. I will say, Sam, that like from rewatching it, actually, I think that that all plays a fairly minor part. I don't mean to bicker with you now about this, but like he has the one speech when he when he meets Commodus again. But before that, you have the couple of speeches with the the gladiator pit boss guy, whose name is Proximus. played by Oliver Reed. Yeah, Proximus. Yeah, yeah. Um, you have a couple of scenes with Proximus where like we get some idea of what he's doing. Uh, but ultimately, like, it's not, it's never like, he never has this announced intention to go back to Rome and to, like, kill the Emperor. Like, you get some things about him winning his freedom, but it's never really clear. He's never like, to Hugh Hansu, he's never like, well, I need to go and get my vengeance. And, like, the only, the first mention of vengeance, really, really, is that speech to Commodus at the end. And then the end of the movie fits together quite nicely, but... Like ultimately, I don't think the movie would suffer if he's just there, and that's when he conceives this plan to, you know, go and get his legion back and like, you know, challenge Commodus's rule and kind of like, you know, save the Roman people from Commodus. But then you lose, then you lose the middle America, everyman character who just wants to, you know, his wife. Like that's that's what you, that's what you lose because then it becomes about the politics. Then it becomes about the role of. You do republic versus you know empire like all of this stuff is then unearthed naturally what is so compelling about russell crowe's character is that he doesn't want the power and they even say that that's why you must take it which makes no fucking sense <laughs> if he doesn't want the power he's it's not a good fit at all is it for him to take the power so i, I don't know we can we we should move on because there's it's one of those it's one of those like existential things about this film but i do think it's a it's an interesting discussion about whether or not you can, how far can you can you cut down to the bone to get to like the meat to to get to the core of this film. That's what it's about. Because there's like, is it the fighting in this movie? Is that what's so compelling about it? Like, it's hard to pin down. I don't know, Sam. My last point on this would be that cut all the family shit out. Follow me here. And you just lean more heavily on the Marcus Aurelius, like adopting him as his heir. Like I wish I had a son like you. And you you focus more on that kind of like paternal relationship between Marcus Aurelius and Maximus. And then that's the inciting thing is like he's not getting revenge for his family, who we've had to take a three week fucking vacation from the movie to go and find out <laughs> I've been murdered. 
Like, what he wants revenge for is the fact that Commodus killed Marcus Aurelius, who was like a father to him. And he's destroying Rome, and he loves Rome, and maybe, like, and that can be your analogue, like, he's destroying America, and, and Maximus loves America, you know, that can be your <laughs> middle America analogue, do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, no, I think it's, a, it's an interesting take, it is, it is. Anyway... This- the, well, the, the the slavery stuff though, and the battles that we get, because it's a it, you know I think it, it it we've always we've talked about in the past about action movies and how we have to have the the highs and then we have to have the lows and we have to have the action and then we have to have the the introspective scenes or you know the library scenes or whatever else. I think the lows are a little bit too long in this. I think we kind of need a, a bit more pace. We've 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 talked about this. We've got, there's a lot of flab. In this the film. lows are all the lows are all comedous, like being they really are. creepy or like. And it's like disappointing, isn't it? Threatening because in the Senate. I I want more of him, but I also want kind of stuff to be happening and not just to be speeches and you know like exposition scenes and, and and lots of like the movie does the heavy lifting through um commonus and pretty much russell crowe has a few one one-to-one conversations where he kind of grunts and then we're gonna get lots of fighting and he's great at that don't get me wrong he's a great grunter but <laughs> but but commodus is the one who has to like has to kind of has to kind of move the plot along in terms of him well, being the antagonist, Nero esque fall in Ro- not fall, but this Nero esque kind of like paranoia trip in Rome, um, and that kind of like that's all that's doing is laying the groundwork for when Maximus arrives, and kind of hatches this conspiracy. I would agree though that like the slavery stuff's really interesting because we get uh, the interplay between Proximus and Maximus, which is always which is fun, and kind of like you know I mean admittedly you own all these slaves, so maybe you're not a great guy. But, uh, you know, it's the Roman Empire, so it's just part of the course. Yeah, and everyone like, owns slaves. Fuck it, it's, exactly. there's no... It's the, yeah. basis, it's the basis of the economy. <laughs> um, literally. Literally. Uh, and, like, so we get all of that, and we get some great fight scenes, and I've mentioned the Jimon Hanzu and, and Russell Crowe and the great fight scenes, and, like, Russell Crowe is just this one-man army, which, again... Like they really established that this guy is just like the best, the best, you know, and he's kind of like goes out and he murders like six people, and you kind of expect the last guy to just drop his weapon and back off, you know. It's that sort of like he is a superhero. The gladiator is a superhero. Like he is, it's astounding, and it's, and, and it's, it's great. It is, and it is really, really great, and kind of like. But it does feel like maybe we're treading a little bit of water to get till we get to Rome. Yeah, I think you're right. But I, I think I think also you need like the low point for the character, don't you? You need him to be completely despondent. This is where maybe the family. Yeah, and this is where maybe the family stuff though is important though because you do you need him to be truly that's why he's despondent, broken because of it because of the loss of his family. And so when we when we cut then to the Commodus stuff where he's like you know flouncing around and kind of doing his thing you you lose i think the impact of something i almost wish it was like very very separate we didn't see any of commodus until we got back to rome and then from there we do get these interspersed scenes which which don't necessarily work for me but i do think i mean the action in, in, in this stuff is great the the bits um in the the first scene when they're all going out they're all lined up and they're not they're not at the Colosseum yet. They're still in I think it's Algeria or something, isn't it? 
and the the guy swinging the this the 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 mace round and like you see the guy pissing himself and all of like absolutely amazing like this is this is this is so good and then when they walk out and the guy with the spiky hair immediately gets gets flanned you know and just just like the the visceral the visceral violence of it um i think is is really uh, it's Pretty really well good. It's, it's really compelling, isn't it? Like you can't get, yeah. You can't, you know, you can't say no. It's, it, it's not at all. Uh, yeah, it's really compelling. It's really fun uh, and kind of exciting and like pretty competently done from a stunt perspective. I always enjoy stunts and like you've got a lot, of, a lot of faceless stuntmen in these big helmets, uh, like you know, swinging things and Russell Crowe kills all of them, um, which is always fun. And it, this is kind of like Russell Crowe climbing the gladiator ranks, isn't it? Like, I'm Russell Crowe, I'm the... You know, he's building his rep. It's like a wrestling movie, and he's kind of like... You know, he starts off as he's just a heel, and then he's the hero. He turns into the rock by the time they get to Rome. And he's <laughs> the like, pooper's elbow. He's, Can you smell what the Spaniard is cooking? Um, <laughs> Amazing. But, like, that's what these scenes serve to represent. And, like I said, you get these scenes with Proximus where... Proximus says, I was a gladiator and I earned my freedom and Marcus Aurelius, etc. granted me my freedom. Um, and they kind of bond over that. And then he's like, we're going to Rome. We're going back to the Colosseum. And that's kind of like where probably like the last half of this, I, I think a full half of this movie is when they're in Rome, it feels like. Mm. Um, so kind of like that's the call back to action where they go to Rome and, and you know. And, the, and then it becomes the, a... the characters converging. Yeah, because of injury. Just one more thing before we move on, though, is that they built that arena, the the, the mud, the kind of mud arena, like thirty thousand mud brick arena, I think, <sighs> using uh, local building techniques. And it's like there's stuff like that where it just sells it so well, and especially because there's like a little mountain crest behind it and stuff. It yeah. just looks so good. Like you don't you don't get to see, um, you don't get to see it's stuff not like that anymore, walls, which is nice. Yeah, like it feels so real. It feels, and I think it adds so much to like the sense of just desperation that the, all these poor slaves are in, and like it's it's horrible. It's absolutely horrible. But I do, I do love it. And and as we go to Rome, I think there's a a, a really clever bit of screenwriting um, in the conversation between Maximus and uh, Proximo, who's a slave owner, because Maximus has risen now. He's the he's the best slave fighter in Algeria. And so, and 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 there's this. They're talking about how Proximo got this sword from Marcus Aurelius, and you know, uh, uh, Maximus is like, "You knew Marcus Aurelius? No, I said he touched my shoulder once. That's all." Like, just, so there's this great little dynamic. But what it does, what it does, is it gives it, it manages to to move the character from Algeria to Rome. And that is like a hard thing to do, and I can imagine the film, the, the the you know the script writing process of how the fuck do we get him from this shithole in in northern Africa back to the the center of civilization, as it were, and where the emperor is, and the way that they do it in terms of saying uh, Marcus Aurelius, he basically pardoned me, he freed me as a slave. This is what Proximo says. And pro- and then and thus I you know I spoke to him for a second and that was enough for me for me because I was the best fighter not because I killed everyone because I was entertaining and so at this at this point I think this is such a clever turn because number one it gets us physically to Rome 
Number two, it means that Russell Crowe's character actually becomes invested in becoming the gladiator because that's how he's going to meet the emperor. And so all of these things, all the, those two things, I think, are, are so important to moving us on. And if they didn't have that, you'd be you'd have to find like a much more convoluted, complicated way. Whereas if you fight well, you meet the emperor, you kill the emperor, you get your revenge. Yeah, that's clever. I've played, as shit. I've played that plot eighteen times in video games. Um, I think it's clever in this film, though. I think it works. I think it I, works. I think it works really, really well. Um, and I think it's kind of like a. They basically like establish this like company of gladiators as like more of a circus kind of thing, in a good way. That it's a good analog for us to understand. And then when Proximo is like, "We're going to the Colosseum," and like you know he, great, we understand, great. So it's just a, a new gig, but it's really good money. So like we're gonna, we're gonna play the Coliseum, boys. Yeah, um, Every, everyone's motivations make sense. Proximo wants to make a buck. Marcus Rullius wants to wants to kill the emperor. Everyone else has no agency whatsoever. <laughs> so Slaves. they're just brought along. Yeah, they're brought along anyway. So yeah. I just think like there's you know that's hard. It's hard to do. It's hard to get your story beats to work and and just all kind of like click into place. You know, and that's what it does. We don't stop. I want to move on, but you don't stop to question it, which is the yeah. big thing. You don't stop to be like, but this doesn't make any sense because, yeah. like, you, know, you know, you don't... That's coincidence, don't isn't it, that he manages to meet the <laughs> yeah. Emperor again, you know, which is... Which to get bogged down it because you've established he's the best fighter and we've established that the best fighter gets to meet the Emperor. Yeah. Like you said, very one-two step. We go to Rome and we get this, like, great turn of, like, we're going to reenact is it the, the Battle of Carthage, which yeah. um, was a siege... Um, and the battle <laughs> they have in the Colosseum. Um, History nerds. I'm sorry, but like you know, the fa- very famous sacking of the city of Carthage and like salting the earth and tearing the city down and making all the people live elsewhere is very, very historically famous. And um, Commodus is like, "We're gonna do, we're gonna do the Battle of Carthage," and everyone's like, "The Battle of Carthage? Like, not for, what not are you for Middle America, about? Dave. From not for Middle America. Not for Middle America. Yeah. And the Battle of Carthage is." these spearmen versus a load of chariots and you're like sat there scratching your head thinking and i am certainly like what <laughs> um but the, the 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 sort of the fulcrum of this is that um the romans won that battle so the idea is that like proximo is quite upset because basically all of his gladiators are going to be slaughtered because they're taking part in this battle and he's like i want to be paid and, you know, I want triple the contract. And the guy says, well, you can have no contract if you don't send them in. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, we have quite a tense scene where um, Maximus has to, like, you know, and this is, again, we know about this character. He has to be the general rather than the fighter here, where he has to, like, organise these gladiators to not be just eviscerated, as is the plan, which is a good... Actually, a really cool visceral fight scene. You get some great horse chariot crashes. Yeah, um, well done, horse actors. Congratulations, horse actors. There's your best. There's your best actor nomination. Speaking it's... of speaking of uh, slaves with no agency, horses. <laughs> yes, done horses. Yeah, it's really cool. And there's some cool crashes and 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 like we get some great um, the 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 woman the woman on on the on the chariot who's got the bow. And the boob armor as well. It's just like okay, great, brilliant. That's... I think they built some of this set as well, like the Colosseum set. Colosseum was huge set. Of. It was like a million dollar yeah. set. It was absolutely massive. And then, and then, obviously, they used again very, very impressive CGI to construct the upper levels and and all yeah. of Rome around it as well. 
Um, but it's something like something like forty percent the size of the actual Colosseum was the one they built, which is well, phenomenal. You, you need it. You need it. And and yeah. and do they use it now? I think in terms of let's go back to our you know runtime issue. I think you could cut this battle with Tigris. You know this guy, this this Tigris of Gaul, um, who is, uh, you know, he was like the, the only the undefeated. undefeated. The only undefeated yeah. gladiator, and, and he's he's the brought... grand champion of the arena, just like from Oblivion. Oblivion, <laughs> um, and like so, I knew exactly what you were going to say. Literally, yeah, he's the grand champion it. of the arena, and you've got to beat the grand champion of the arena so you can be the new grand champion of the arena. Yeah, it's a bit like when The Rock became, um, <laughs> you know, won the, won the Royal Rumble and became, you know, the champion wrestler. And I, Triple H came in, wrestling. And he is. took out the. The Undertaker through a steel table. Yeah, um, but you yeah. Get rid so of this. I do agree, Sam. I get do rid agree. of this. Like, find I like, the, I like the Tigers. I like the Tigers. I think it's a really visually arresting fight because, like, obviously the CG isn't good enough. That there are real tigers in this shot. Obviously, they aren't on Russell Crowe's back. Um, I think it looks pretty good for like you know. It- it's kind of and... weird, isn't it? Like we're kind of, it's kind of uncanny valley a little bit because I think I think there's a combination of real tigers and then like CGI. I don't know. It's, I'd love to know more, really, because uh, rather than us guessing, I think it's but... probably Sam. It's probably puppets like touched up with CGI, maybe you know, to make them move a bit more naturally. Maybe. I thought it looked all right. I thought no, it I think okay, it looks. Fu- I think it looks good. I think it, I think it works really again for two thousand. You think about some of the other. Films that were coming out around now, you know, like it's 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 quite impressive. But it, I think what I so in terms of a fixer, what I would do for this is I would combine the first fight with the the Battle of Carthage, and then at the end, I have the Empress say, "Take the other men away, and just let's just see how how this this new this Spaniard how does he cope with the tigers? You know, then we can like yeah. because I think and this then you can two, have that happen at the same time, yeah." Get just get you can get rid of some of the scenes in between. Again, we're going you know Roman intrigue and politicians backstabbing well, and stuff. I think the reason this scene exists, Sam, from again you mean you mentioned about how we get them to Rome. This movie exists. This scene exists to explain because Commodus has this fight too because he's certain that um, Russell Crowe be killed basically, and it's a good this bet. scene exists to explain why after this he can't just kill him. Like, from a, you know, because he's a savvy enough politician to know that, um, like, this guy's way more popular than him, and mm-hmm. he's already not popular, and that if he just kills him out of hand, that, and this is something that, again, like, you know, maybe harkens back to actual Roman history that we have, it's kind of like, you know, plenty of emperors fell because they were, you know, deeply, deeply unpopular. And monarchs in, you know, monarchs or governments or wherever, like humans have a rich history of toppling figureheads they really, really don't like. So he, that's what the, this scene, the fight with tiger, the tiger guy, exists to be like, this is why Maximus isn't just executed on the spot. Yeah. Yeah, because it becomes Maximus the Merciful, doesn't he? That's what it becomes. Exactly. So Commodus can't kill him without making him a martyr, basically. Yeah, and I think it really, it really works really well. But we, we, we have had the reveal though of Maximus to Commodus, and again, I I was expecting that in the movie. Best scene in the movie. The speech I said at the beginning 
It's phenomenal. It's well written. It's where it's super well delivered. It's Crow's best scene in the film, I think. Yeah, yeah. But he and and he gets he you know he gets um he, the, the the mask off and and we Phoenix does this amazing like like he's seen a dead man, which effectively has for him, you know. Again, I was expecting a very hazy memory, but I was expecting it to become to come later on in the film. It happens quite early shouted. on. It quite it happens quite early on, doesn't it? In terms of, I was like, oh, it isn't that towards the end where we get much more. Well, of the a- trouble is, Sam, like you mentioned, we then have like forty minutes of political intrigue, which is not interesting in the slightest. Yes, um, because we don't actually leave the fucking arena. Like we have all of these visits. Where, Commodus, don't you have a guy being like, hey, you just watch and see who visits this Maximus. Like, well, your sister was there, this senator was there, <laughs> was this there. senator was also there. Yeah. Like, oh, his his ex, um, like, you know, uh, guy from his army was there. And the Commodus is like, right, this is all good information to have. And suddenly the whole fucking movie just ends. Yeah. Can we have, can we just kill him in his sleep? Can we, I mean, I've, you know... I mean, I did do that to my dad. I just crushed him. I just suffocated him. So can can we do that? Oh. No, because what we have to do, Sam, is have this convoluted series of events that culminates in Commodus like figuring it out. Um, and basically, I think there's a scene where he says to uh, his sister, he's basically like, right, here's what's going to happen. I'm going to murder Maximus and everyone involved. And you're going to bear my children and we're all going to live happily ever after until I inevitably have you murdered in a, in a year or two after you've borne my, what's the word, pure-blooded child. Yeah. Um, and that my lineage, our lineage will reign for a thousand years. Mm-hmm. Like, this mm-hmm. is peak evil Commodus. Yeah. And, and, he, and he is because he's, he is going increasingly mad, isn't he? Increasingly mad and increasingly megalomani- more megalomaniac, um, you know, maniacal. And it's like... And I just think I think you could I think you're right in terms of the political intrigue is less interesting and and to be fair I think Lucilla's role in that is kind of a bit stretched. It's, I a, mean, lot, we, it's a lot of library scenes, isn't it? It's a lot like, of library scenes. It's a lot of visiting. Anything. She's just kind of. It's a lot of visiting his cell. It's three times we get one by herself. We get one with the senator. She literally just comes and says, "The senator, a senator wants to meet you," and he's like, "All right." Fine, that's okay. And then the senator comes, and the, and they kind of just say, "You could be the leader of the republic against Commodus." Why Lucilla couldn't do that, and we just save ourselves ten minutes for Christ's sake, you know? That's well, why then she comes, couldn't do that. The senator, exactly. And but then she comes back again in the final bit to kiss him goodbye. And like, there's all these like, I just think there's a lot of flab here that that we could so easily get rid of, and a lot of it's centered around. <laughs> keeping it in the arena that's where the action is make your downtime brief get back in the arena and have the battles which are amazing they're really really good especially um the the stuff you know with all the tigers and everything it's like it just looks so cool it's bombastic isn't it it's loud, yeah but you kind of wanted a little bit i do like but again i do love commodus's descent into madness and that culminates in that final um slightly ridiculous but again it's not because this happened in real life is that the emperor goes in the arena and tries to take I should out say, it's, it's a pretty solid plan on his part i mean he stabs uh maximus in the chest and then's like put his armor on him make sure he can stand up 
Like that seems like a pretty good like. I'm a guy in decent shape. I, I I'm a you know I've I know how to wield a sword. Yeah, and I have which we see, don't we? This man, we yeah, we see I, him and, being and good, which is good storytelling. And it is somewhat even, yeah. Yeah. And like so, it's actually like a fairly good like. I'm gonna look to the people because they're in the middle of this fucking misty coliseum. It'll look like I just killed him in combat, and then guess what? I'm better than he was, and therefore I'm the king, and you're already the king. But like, I'm the king, um, and. This is the one fight scene where I think it's one of the only fight scenes where two people are fighting with swords as well. So it's kind of like a it's it's a good point for the film to kind of like show off a bit more stunt work again. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was messaging you while we were watching it because quite a lot of the time, if you, you know, you were saying you've been to a reenactment earlier, like quite a lot of the time when you go to a reenactment, when two people are reenacting a sword fight, what happens is I will raise my sword above my head, and then you will raise your sword to strike my sword. Yeah. Or shield or whatever. And it's all very well choreographed and read. But I think that the scene is shot well enough. And I think that Joaquin Phoenix and Russell Crowe have obviously had enough training to kind of sell some of this. Like the way that they're, you know, obviously going for a strike. They're trying to stab each other and blocking it. And and I, I know that seems like a minor distinction, like in terms of the, the, the choreography and the stunt work in this. But like, it works. It, it, it's hard to fake scene. it though. You have to actually, yeah. if you want, like, it's really. It, if you pretend to hit someone, it looks like you're pretending to hit someone. Like, you have to it, go for it, and that's dangerous. So that's why you need training. That's why you need choreography. That's why you need the actors to know what they're doing and the, and the stunt people to be and it you know, costs, the sword masters. Even compared to a move like Highlander, Sam. Like how bad is all the sword play in that? Oh movie? yeah, because they didn't have the swordmaster, didn't they? They, they didn't, didn't have, have the budget. They didn't have the budget. Exactly, it's the same principle that this movie had. But no, um, I think I think it does really well. I think this scene is 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 so is so pivotal. It's also like this is where we get to the super melodrama of 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 this um, of this film. That you know, as much as you've got the big battles and you've got really, and why I think it's so central that the the the, the the family are in it is because it's about these two people people's personal relationships and you know this could be on a stage this could be as a play like it's so dripping in the melodrama it's it as you said at the beginning it's that 1960s 50s uh grand epic you know like uh, it's spartacus spart well i mean re- i mean yeah and, and maximus basically is spartacus isn't he there's so many of his characters right literally <laughs> yeah so so there's all of this is like so it's so we've seen it all before and i think it works well i you know i would be interested to see a kind of more modern interpreter. I think we're watching this from a lens of nostalgia as well because it's, it's right in our wheelhouse. But I wonder how well this holds up to a new, newer audience because it's it is very on the nose. It's very kind of you might call it even trite because of the way that this all ends up. I mean, you know, Commodus in all white and and Maximus sitting there holding his side and punching along, but he still manages yeah. to defeat him because of his his virtue will overcome and the vengeance but will be mine, you know, all I this think stuff. it's well done, Sam, and there's a reason that everything from, like, actual Roman plays until now, like, it like, leans on the same tropes and the same kind of, like, dramatic turns and the big speeches is because that's what we as people respond to. And, like, mm-hmm. yes, you can say that 
nostalgia is a big part of this movie, but I don't wouldn't have said I had tons of nostalgia for this movie. I'd certainly forgotten whole portions of it. And like I just think it holds up really pretty well in terms of that hero versus villain thing. Even down to the turn at the end, the actual pit bit where Maximus, spoilers I suppose, kills Commodus. Like the way he does it is that Commodus pulls a knife on him. Commodus pulls like a stiletto out of his back and like tries to stab him with that and, and Maximus manages to turn it around and stab him in the neck. But even that, and you can see the shock on Commodus's face because like I think this movie recognises in Commodus Commodus thinks he's the hero. And that like is so central to why the drama of this movie works, which really, like I said, links back to that kind of like um the more theatrical view of it like he isn't a moustache twirling villain for all that he is like a moustache twirling megalomaniac but like he has his own motivations other than just being evil and that kind of like means that there's a lot more power in this ending scene where Commodus is killed than there would have been if he was just the villain Mm -hmm. you know if he was Thanos from fucking the Marvel movies like the big purple alien like he doesn't we don't know what he wants. He just he's just doing things, and he's he wants to kill everything. Well, that's a really boring motivation. Yeah. Commodus wants to be a great emperor, like and he wants and to, to be loved, him, and he wants to be loved, and he wants to be you know well thought of. And to him, Maximus is a man, and his father was a man, and they were standing in his way, the way of his greatness. And like, so the end of the movie has this wonderful one-two punch for that because like number one. They both die, which is a good turn as well. Like, kill off your hero at the end of the movie. No baggage. Great. Yeah, no no sequel. Ridley Scott is not making a sequel to this. We, we, we have kind of skipped over the boring political bit, though, haven't we, about how there's this, this plan to get Cicero and he's going to ride in the dark and then the moonlight and blah, 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 blah. And then he gets caught and then the whole thing's... Who could care? Like, and it is, it is, again, it's really like we could have this as a one scene that's talked about that happens and you know and because what we want is the personal as you say is what we want is this personal interactions and and it goes back to the start of the movie when um you know marcus aurelius hugs and says i wish you had you as a son and 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 uh commodus gets gets nothing you know so it's it is it is wonderful and i think it's a great um it's a great it's a great ending to kill off your main character. I really like that. I do think the imagery's weird and all throughout the film, this like idea of going to heaven with this weird like what I think what it is, it's kind of half it's house. motion. It's house in Spain, isn't it? I know, but just the way it's shot, like it looks very odd. All these rocks everywhere. Yeah. Like it's just weird. The whole imagery at the end is a bit weird. I do find it strange. But as a like as a culmination of everything that we've seen i think it really makes sense and and you kind of have to just if you're going to enjoy this film you've got to accept the imagery you've got to accept the melodrama and you've kind of got to accept some of the political intrigue as well to get to that point where you know as a package as a whole package as a two hour and 30 whatever it is minute movie i i I really think we're very you'd, you'd be very very difficult to find something that I think works so completely. Even though there's lots you get rid of, you could you you, you still accept it. You still walk through, and there was no point where I bored. I wasn't bored at all. 
but what I was yeah. was just like I wanted more. I wanted on to the next thing, and that's not necessarily a bad thing for your film, is it? No, absolutely. Um, and I think that like for that, that's the reason this movie holds up. That's the reason it won the Oscar. That's the reason that you know Russell Crowe has a career. No, that's maybe unfair. He was in other good films. <laughs> yeah, but, 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 no, but th- th- this really did. If you look at, if you look at, elevated um, him. Yeah, it a hundred percent. It moved him from like, a, you know, he'd been in like L.A. Confidential. That was a pretty big picture for him, wasn't it? But if you look at the, um, if, if if you look at the filmography, it's quite amazing where we go from things like, uh, uh. Heaven's Burning and L.A. Confidential in, in 97, The Insider in 99. And then it's Gladiator, A Beautiful Mind, Master and Commander, Cinderella Man, um, and then 310 to Yuma, American Gangster. Like, yeah. there's, there's just loads of movies that come out after this because of his, I think, Best Picture win, that he is a bankable star. And that's what this Absolutely. film did. Absolutely. Um, and Joaquin Phoenix, too, I think, came off this pretty pretty high as well. Yeah. Um and he's, you know, an actor who's got on city work and is I think very good. Um we haven't mentioned have we mentioned um Proximo dying during the filming of this? Oh well Oliver Reed, really? Yeah, he had a heart attack um when they were filming in Malta and died just right there and then, basically. Wow, I didn't know um, that. I didn't know that. So they had to do and you can kinda see the lines a little bit. A lot of the later scenes where he's talking to Russell Crowe, um, he's kind of in shadow and basically used a body double and CGI to like make it look like him, but obviously the technology wasn't like it is now, so they had to kind of like disguise who it was a little bit anyway. Mm. Um, and Cause... apparently it cost them another like three or four million just to do that, just to finish his scenes. Wow, because um, his death is like he says, shadow and dust, doesn't he? That's all he says. Yeah. And he gets stabbed. It'll be that scene where he gets stabbed in the back by all the all the yeah, Praetorian yeah. Guard. Yeah. Oh, that's I didn't know that. Same Oliver Reed. I I really like his performance in this. I think it's really, yeah, yeah. It's, it's really angry really again, isn't it? Um, mm. And it's. I just thought I'd mention it, and then obviously the last thing is, uh, and I couldn't get away from this in this movie is the, the pirates theme song, like the pirates score. Uh, Hans Zimmer, fucking somebody shouldn't have had to pay him for some of these movies. My fucking lord. Uh, well. There's some battle scenes in this place. And I'm like, where is Johnny Depp sashaying along a ship's deck? I mean, to be fair, I think Pirates came after this. So he he he, he, did. he, he reused he st- this in Pirates. But he did also, I mean, there is, there's quite a famous um, legal dispute between the Holst family, Gustav Holst, um, who... Uh, composed a fantastic suite of music we should definitely listen to. It's called The Planets, and each planet has its own um, theme. You'll recognise the one from Mars, and you'll go, hmm, why, why do I know that? And it's because it's basically in this. It's that, it's that, it's that little um, uh, melody that comes through that's like kind of like action bit, especially at the start of the movie. It's almost yeah. exactly the same, and I, I don't know the outcome. It doesn't look like there's any information about the outcome of of this lawsuit, but basically, um, you know, th- th- he'd recycled. Now you could say if you listen to, if you listen to um, uh, Gustav Holt, you'll also hear a heck of a lot of um, Empire Strikes Back 
in Mars. Uh, Star Wars, sorry. You'll hear a lot of John Williams' Star Wars in in, in that Mars yeah. um, score as well. So maybe it's just like a slightly, you know, a, an inspiration gone too far. But yeah, I don't like scoring this at all, really, other than that scene, which is from Holst. Like, I that, think that it's workmanlike, um, but I think that a lot of it's too jaunty. Like, there's a reason they reused it for the those like wacky pirates films yeah because it is jaunty and fun and like it underscores the fight scene really well when it's johnny depp doing his google goggly eyes at people but less so when it's russell when it's Crow, swashbuckling like, chopping people's literally heads off. literally swashbuckling that's when it works yeah. and, he, and he, even um, the bit with his family and it's all like you know the, the choral yeah like all that stuff i'm like nope i don't like this it's not the best it's not the best score of something we've done um certainly and uh and that's worth noting it really really is yeah uh it's maybe one of the weaker points of this movie uh, which is otherwise like i said holds up pretty well it really does and to finish i what i would like to talk about is is just go back to the what we talked about at the beginning which is like the historical uh you know connection to this because Commodus is such a great character in this because I think they 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 leaned on a lot of the actual reality of what what this this guy did and there's a great there's a great story about at the end I think what he died around 192 AD and um he 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 basically there was a fire in Rome and he decided to refound the city of Rome renaming it after himself Commodania is what he called it. and this is Rome this is Rome the Roman Empire which is like we're, we're not just the early stages of it we are deep into imperial yeah. Rome and he decides to rename it he also renamed the months of the year uh, after his now 12 names and so all of the you know January February or, or, uh, Jupiter etc uh, became named after him. Um, he renamed legions. Pretty standard, after pretty standard mad Roman emperor thing, really. Yeah, uh, named legion after himself. Named uh, was it Tiberius the Senate. that made his made his horse a senator? Yes, hundred percent. Named, named this, renamed the Senate after himself, and uh, and and then when he died, all of this was reversed. So I just think it's like a great thing of sometimes the history is stranger. Than than the fiction, especially. When oh yeah, it comes... there's there's a movie in this guy's wrestling partner strangling him to death after he's done all this mad shit. Why isn't there? And we should be making it. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> you can you Absolutely. can direct and star as both roles, Dave. I'm offering you that right now. One time offer, I'm not sure limited. How we'd work that with the stunts, um, we'd have to get an exact body double, which I think would be <laughs> difficult. <laughs> We'll make it work. Like just, just the expense on gluing hair on someone would just be. <laughs> no, no. What we'll do? What we'll do is we'll 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 shave you and then. Um, <laughs> that would be millions of dollars, Sam. <laughs> millions of dollars. The technology has not been invented yet. Brilliant! Brilliant.